We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Amen. If you would, turn with me to our reverse text for today. It's in your, your bulletin on your listening sheet. Uh, we'll be reading aloud 1 Chronicles 28, 7 through 10. Uh, let me pause for a second though before we do and just recognize we're starting a new Bible study today. So we're moving out of Mark and we're, we're moving to a study of Solomon building the temple in, in First and Second Chronicles. And so we're excited about this. And the way we do reverse here is all week long we have one text that we study together and we have in, in, in our services and in our Sunday school time and, and through the week as we blog. It's, it's around this one text. And this is purposeful. That in the life of this church, we unify around the Scripture. And so we're excited about that, and we're excited about unifying around a, a new text, a new Bible study as we study uh, Solomon here building the temple. So if you would, let's stand with me, and we're going to read aloud together First Chronicles 28, 7 through 10. <clears throat> this then is the text for today. I will establish his kingdom forever if he resolutely performs my commandments and my ordinances as is done now. So now in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the presence of our God, keep and seek after all the commandments of the Lord your God so that you may possess the good land and leave it as an inheritance to your sons after you forever. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him wholeheartedly and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. <clears throat> you know, it's rare that a building you've never visited captures your imagination, but I am amazed at the story of the Sagrada Familia. It's an intricate basilica under construction in Barcelona, Spain. And the plans required that it is still under construction 135 years later. In fact, when Antony Gaudi, its primary architect, um, passed away in 1926, he only saw a fraction of the work that was to be done. You know, I'm, I'm struck by the commitment that it takes to begin this kind of work and, and still commit to a work that wouldn't be finished nearly a century after your death. And I, I don't know how much thought Gaudi gave to the practicalities, but as it goes, he, he says he, he set out to serve God through architecture. And his structures are still telling the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The nativity and the passion are set in stone, remaining long after Gaudi's death. But you know as well as I do, it is rare to find this kind of commitment in a person. In fact, if you, if you look around us, we see exactly the opposite. 
The evidence that is before us is that we are drifting in the exact opposite direction. That where we are today in our culture is we are taught and it is encouraged to embrace the temporary. That everything in this world that we are being sold is, is, is just disposable. All of it is disposable pursuits. And, and, and it's only because they are cheaper and they are easier. In fact, what we recognize around us is that when we are left to our own devices, we preach practicality to the point that we won't make any lasting commitments. And our only hope is to reap rewards quicker than we deserve. You see, there's a, there's a part of our flesh that cringes at what happens to Moses in the Scriptures. There, there's a part of us that cringes when we read about what happens to David this week. You see, what, what you see in the Old Testament, you see Moses handing off the baton to Joshua. And, and the same thing, you, you see David in this text today is handing off the baton to Solomon. And, and, and when we are immersed in ourselves, we begin to believe that Moses deserved to walk into the promised land. And when we hear that story, Moses was committed to the leading God's people for his life. He fought as faithfully as anyone ever has on this earth. And he didn't get to set foot in the promised land. You see, when we're drenched in myopia, we look up to God and we say, why? Why would you not let Moses enter into the promised land? And really in our heart, what we're thinking and what we're imagining is, why don't you let us get what we want, Lord? We know the plans we have for ourselves and this is what we want. Why can't you make it so? And we cringe when Moses isn't allowed in. There's a similar story here for David. You know, as this new Bible study that we're beginning unfolds, it's taking us towards Solomon building the temple of the Lord. And as you look back on it, David has done all the hard work. David has gotten the nation of Israel ready into this place. In fact, David had gathered all the materials. David had the phenomenal plans drawn up. And, and this is where we get, we get all caught up. It's in this next line. We get all caught up in our myopic mindset. And, and we hear even David here in the text saying, I had the best of intentions. And, and, and that's right. David had the best of intentions. Why doesn't David get to see the temple? Why doesn't David get to build the temple? You know, on some level, we believe that if we can defend our intentions, God shall allow it. You know, it rarely occurs to us that God's going to say no. We, we just dream up our dreams and we make our plans and we just expect God to sign off on it. it, it it's like we're, we, we, we get everything ready to go and we, we run up to our boss and we say, can we just get your signature here before we get started? And rarely do we think God's going to say no. I'm not going to sign off on this because we just expect him to just have it already there. And if we can justify our intentions and if we can justify our actions, then surely God's going to sign off on it and make it so. It, it, you see, it's natural for us in the flesh to imagine that our plans are the best plans. And for us to be shocked that God has another way forward. However, David knew better. And Moses knew better. They knew that our myopic intentions must be laid aside under the lordship of heaven. That the Lord has the final say, and we trust his plans and his way above our own. 
know, one of the things that we have to recognize together, it, it is important for us to learn from yesterday. And it's important for us to, to trust the Lord with tomorrow. And, and so, so what's left? What, what's left is today. And, and what's left for us is, is for us to live out what the Lord has left for today. All of us have had grand dreams smashed over time. All of us have had unforeseen circumstances that have altered our course more than we ever imagined it could. But instead of sulking or blaming God, we carry on with what's left for the sake of the kingdom of God. It's just the way it is. There are going to be all kinds of good things in this life that you're never going to get to experience. There are going to be all kinds of wonderfully holy things that you're never going to get to see. But even still, a life of faith in Jesus Christ is, is the ultimate way forward. It is the way we flourish in this life. We, we know nothing compares to walking in the will of God, to walk in step with Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. And this is, what we, this is what we recognize. So in today's text, as David is coming to the end of his life and he's having to hand all of these plans that he wanted to build, and he hands them over to Solomon. David is remarkably content. And, and we see that and we understand that as you work down through the next few verses in verses 4 through 7. You, you see that, that as David is picturing all of this in the spirit, he's able to, to move past his own myopic intentions and embrace the perpetual decrees of God in the spirit. We begin to recognize that there's far more to this life than just justifying and fulfilling our own desires. And, and what David's recognizing in all of this is there is opportunity and lasting legacy in the kingdom of God. See, he was able to move on from those plans and move on from the building because of the generational nature of our faith and what God is doing. We're not building buildings on our own names. We're not, we're not building up a name for ourselves. But our lives are to reflect the glory of God and only build on His name while we're on this earth. Amen. You know, there's, a, there's an old phrase that's been popularized by Macklemore and Banksy. It supposedly came from the, the ancient Egyptians. It, it goes something like this. You die twice, once when they bury you in your grave, and the second time is the last time somebody mentions your name. It's thought-provoking, but mistaken. Death has nothing to do with our name remaining on this earth. In fact, legacy has nothing to do with our name remaining on this earth. For believers in Jesus Christ, eternity remains for those whose names are written in the book of life and read by Jesus Christ aloud before God and the angels. You see, in the Holy Spirit, we don't worry if no one mentions our name after our funeral. Our life is to ensure the name of God is glorified on this earth until he comes again. What you hear from King David in verse 4 is that he recognized he didn't deserve this life that he had been given. And, and he recognized that even though he has been given this, this life from the Lord, that, that God had ordained it and made it so long before he was even born. 
In fact, God knew all of it, how it would play out. Uh, God, God even knew that, that, that Absalom would try to steal the throne, and Adonijah would try to steal the throne, and Sheba would st try to steal the throne from David before he could hand it over to Solomon. But as you, you look through these verses 4 through 7, you see the Spirit at work in David, because it's not about his name. It's not about his work, but, but this is about the Lord's work and what God is doing and who God has chosen and where God is leading. That's what you, you see that, that over and over in these verses, it's the Lord who chose, it's the Lord who made, it's the Lord who has chosen, it's the Lord who will establish See, th those, are, those, are the phrase that, those are the phrases that matter. And when you recognize God's work in all of this, that, that, that's what cements this story in history, is that God was at work, not David was at work. And, and what makes this a lasting legacy is this was a part of, of God's plan for his kingdom. You see, there, there are all these perpetual decrees of God that will remain for eternity. And what we, what we recognize in this and what we recognize together in these days is that when everything else is failing around us, even when, when the government is failing around us or when a pandemic is pressing in from all sides, the, the last thing that we need in this world is someone else trying to make a name for themselves. We, we don't need anyone else on this earth trying to make a name for themselves out of our tragic circumstances. What we need is for the people of God to cling to the perpetual promises of God because God's Word is the only thing that remains. You see, once we go through the fiery ordeals of this earth and of this life, it is God's Word that remains. It is Jesus Christ as our foundation and our cornerstone. That's what we cling to through all of this. He is our King. You see how this, this text continues down through here. And, and David, David's preaching now, so the, the, all the leadership of Israel is gathered around. This, this is a public meeting and decree that we're reading in Reverse this week. And David begins to preach exactly what distinguishes us on this earth. In fact, th this is what raises up the legacy of a person in Christ. It, it isn't buildings with our names on them. In fact, he tells us what distinguishes us in verse 9, if you'll look there with me. So 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. As for you, my son Solomon, so, so David now, this is almost like an ordination service, and, and David has moved from addressing the crowd, and, and he looks directly at Solomon in, in front of all of them. He says, as for you, Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of thoughts. If you seek him, and that, that's the word you need to underline there that we'll be looking at in a second. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, and underline that as well, if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. This is what distinguishes and promotes life on this earth. And what you recognize here in this verse, at the end of verse 9, we have these contrasting qualities that define every moment of life. In fact, these are contrasting qualities that will define this day for you. That we are either, it's one or the other, we are either seeking, the, the, seeking God in the spirit or we are in the flesh forsaking our God. And what we recognize is seeking the Lord in the spirit 
is defined by this, this, the spirit prompting service and worship and those kinds of things, by your heart longing for the Lord. It, it, it's God being your first response. It's, it's, it's when you meet a trial on this earth, you run to God first. That's seeking Him. Or, or the same is true when, when, when you have a moment to breathe and be filled with joy. You, you run to God first in those moments too. You see, for someone seeking after God, that means, that means God is first before family, before your plans, before your best laid intentions. God is first. You go to God first and you go to God often. That is seeking the Lord. Amen. Now, unfortunately, though, life is more often defined by forsaking. And, and even, you know, we're not going to there, get to this in our, in our Bible study, but, but after this Bible study, we even recognize that, that Solomon finds plenty of ways to forsake the Lord and his leadership. And, and the way we need to understand this morning the, the seeking versus forsaking, forsaking is finding help anywhere else other than God. Forsaking is running to God, or excuse me, running to anyone other than God. That's when we, we forsake Him. We, we no longer go to Him first for wisdom. We, we no longer run to His Word like a, like a dog gnawing on a bone, but, but we abandon God for other people. We abandon God for other things, and we expect them to give us more than the Creator of the universe could provide. You see, in, in, the, in, the, in the flesh, we, we seek out whatever brings us pleasure, and we run away from God. But, but in the Spirit, we, we seek Him out, and, and we seek out what brings the Lord pleasure. And, and so here, this morning, we are at a crossroads, this crossroads of seeking and forsaking. And what we recognize all around us, even today, that God is at work building eternity now. That God is, is about a lasting endeavor that, that we're allowed to participate in. And so, at this crossroads, we, we have to, to ask ourselves, are, are we going to, to participate in this work of God that is eternal and lasting, or are we going to go about somebody else's work? Are, are you going to follow your best intentions? Are you going to seek after the way of the Lord? And what we recognize together is God is available this morning. And, and, and has laid out a work that, that we can be a part on that's built on Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so, who are we this morning? Where are we going to be at this crossroads? Which way are we going to go? May we as a church chase after eternity rather than settling for the temporary. Together as a body of believers, may we seek our God with all of our heart and forsake all others. Because that is the only way forward. The only way that we move forward and see the glory and beauty of God is to forsake all else and to seek our God wholeheartedly. And may it be true of this body. And may it be true of us. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we are yours. Lord, we, we want to serve. We, we want to be faithful servants of the Most High God. But Lord, even that can be well-intentioned sometimes, and the, the flesh sort of rips us away. And Lord, we pray that for, for every time we have chased after temptation, for every time we have fallen away and fallen into sin, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us 
Lord, that you would heal us and make us right. And Lord, we pray that, that in the power of the cross, we would be able to stand before you holy and sanctified. And so, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness, that you would forgive us for where we have failed. Lord, you'd forgive this church for where we have failed. And, Lord, that your spirit would come and make all things right. And so, our Lord, we call on you today to come and do just that in each one of our hearts. We are open and ready. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And it's in his name that's above every name on the face of this earth that we pray the Christ. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.